tonight, Leslie Warren, Lou Antonio, Brooke Bundy, and Robert Pratt. Hello there, and welcome to episode 92 of the Night Gallery Podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about Death on a Barge. It was originally aired on March 4th, 1973. It's the uh, 12th story from season 3. Uh, teleplay by Halstead Wells, based on the short story The Canal by Everill Worrell. And um, probably best known for the fact it was directed by Leonard Nimoy. We offer you both tricks and treats in this special realm, where the national dish is pumpkin, the national flower is wolfbane, and our national anthem is the funeral march, which should give you some definitive idea as to the nature of this place. We show paintings like this one, in a color scheme of blood-red sky with corpse-white moon. This, we tell you up front, is the story of vampires. And, of course, this must conjure up images of Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee, somewhat frigid, malevolent, monstrous creatures. But reserve such all-conclusive judgment of the living dead until you hear the story of a particular vampire, the kind you might find in a place like this, the Night Gallery. By the looks of it, Ron's uh, life is quite dull. He spends the bulk of his time on the pier selling fish with his uh, partner, his business partner, partner a man called Jake. And uh, But uh, he's got, well, it's a bit of a secret, really, but he's got a, uh, something he does of an evening. He sneaks out and talks with a woman called Cynthia. She's uh, lonely, beautiful, and she appears to live with a farmer who's a, who's a reclusive fisherman. Um, she can't visit... He wants to visit her and meet her properly rather than shouting across the water. But there's a couple of problems with that. One, he can't talk to her during the day. And secondly, she is unable to cross the water. She is too scared of crossing moving water. But it appears the canal is slowly being drained. So soon she will be able to cross over and meet him. Um, Ron's girlfriend is a woman called Phyllis. And Phyllis becomes concerned and worried quite quickly uh, about what Ron's up to. He appears to be disappearing for long periods of an evening and I'm pretty sure most uh, most women would be a bit concerned. So she follows him. Gets onto the barge and it finds Hyacinth, once Ron had left, uh, below desk, climbing into a coffin, ready to sleep. Hyacinth sees her and attacks her to try and stop her from getting away, but Phyllis managed to, to escape into the sunlight and um, with her rival being um, attacked by the sun's rays. Ron, um, well, it, she look, Phyllis looks into what's been going on with this couple and finds a bit of information about them from when they, where they came from. They came from a, uh, from a place where there were plenty of unexplained murders around the two people. Phyllis um, tries to convince them that these two are, are vampires but unsurprisingly both Ron and Jake are having none of it for centuries it's been known that certain women slew to satisfy their bloodlust corpses by day they lay in their own coffins on a bed of earth from the burial plot in which they were originally laying to rest but once night falls they turn into spirits of evil roaming abroad killing body and soul of their victims 
There are only two ways to control the fiendish fangs. One, isolate the victim so she is surrounded by flowing water, the barge, right? For this, they can never cross. The only other control is death, and the only possible way to inflict death on a vampire is to expose her to sunlight or take a stake made of oak and run her through. But what this does do is a peak our man Jake's interest and what, what he's actually up to. So he follows Ron um, and when he goes to meet this vampire and now the uh, the water is cleared as well so she's now able free to move at night and um, she the vampire uses her charms on Ron but he's scared and doesn't have any of it and leaves quickly and then but Jake's more bold and uh, unfortunately is found the next day with his uh, his throat ripped out and his blood drained from his body. Ron works out, puts pretty quickly puts two and two together and works out what goes on and looks for uh, for Hyacinth. He grabs her and tries. He gets into the to the barge and tries to grab her and drag her into the sunlight, but she begs for him to kill him with a stake instead. sun comes up. She uses her vampiric charms and um, our man Ron basically starts moving towards her, ready to embrace and she goes in for the bite but Ron is dragged off our vampire and staked by the father and um, that is where our story ends. Um, what happened was and the reason how this got made was that Lennon Nimoy was a um, was on um, contract at Universal so um, they basically so he's basically looking constantly for, for acting jobs and that and he wanted to develop his directing as well and uh, unsurprisingly he went to the door of Night Gallery because they had a reputation for taking you know uh, young directors who want to make the next step and uh, in, you know and giving them a bit of a chance of doing something a bit different so Nimoy effectively harassed Jack Laird until he agreed and uh, this is the story that he got. Um, Nimoy loved the story because he liked the kind of, almost like a star-crossed lover thing, but at its key, you know, the woman is so lethal and deadly. Um, the uh, Halston, there's not, well, it's not without its problems though. Halston Wells' script, uh, not for the first time from him, adds some pretty painful, um, you know, city, um, you know, well, 70s, like, kind of street kind of slang, which uh, sits probably badly and certainly has no place in a gothic romance. Um, also, as well, 
um, and we'll go into a bit more detail about this. Um, the day night stuff is a real shooting day for night is a real problem. They 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 work really hard at it to make it work in this occasion, um, and Nimoy does a good job. It's kind of got an otherworldly quality to it, um, you know, swirling mist, particularly the stuff on the canal. But at the same time, um, you know, he has to he has to work very hard. Um, he used it, he worked with uh, cinematographer Gerald Finneman to, uh, to, to try and get the most out of what they had. He said, this is Nimoy, Joe and I had spent some time together on Star Trek and he was very supportive, very helpful. The tough thing about this job and Nightgoer in general was that the very title says Dark of Night and you could not shoot at night. They wouldn't allow it because it was too expensive. Um, so they have the heat Finneman by this stage had developed lots of different tricks to uh, shoot day night as, as well as he could and certainly this is one of the ones that works probably for the best um, you, you know you have to shoot towards the sun and that kind of stuff more interesting as well was the fact that um, they just introduced the uh, universal uh, tour trams and Nimoy says of it when the trams first start coming around, the tour guides would be talking over the PA systems and the assistant director would ask them to stop and be quiet while they were shooting. Well, then the edit came down that you didn't stop the tram, you stopped the shooting. And it was quickly apparent that the most important thing at Universal was the tourist business. It was difficult. There they are over there shooting Night Gary, the famous show that you've seen on Wednesday nights at 10 o'clock. There it is, right there, folks, the shooting of vampire show this week. Who's starring in this episode? Can you recognise anybody over there? Shut up. Um, and obviously, you know, those kind of difficulties um, don't help in the shooting at all for, for anybody, really. Um, and you can understand why they're, they're, they're concerned as well and quite angry. Um, but in the end, though, I mean, you know, despite problems with it, and it, it is an odd feeling episode, one of the more surreal kind of tones to them, I would say. Uh, there is a lot to to really to really go at and a really enjoyable episode as well. Um, it is basically the tone that Nimoy ables to do. He kind of gives it um, gives it a certain kind of feel and tone, even though you're not quite sure why and what's going on with the father and and the kid quite as much as you probably would like. He seems a very seems a very unusual thing to do to have your own pet vampire who you try and control when you can you know obviously it's quite easy that they could go around and start killing people and particularly he makes no kind of seemingly no decision to try and as the canals drain to prevent the vampire from going out and starting to do its, it's dastardly deeds um Nimoy basically Nimoy got offered another job after this one for Night Gallery but had to turn it down because he was shooting him in Massachusetts uh, doing doing stage over there I think he felt really bad but um, the reality was the script that he'd been offered is one of the poorest scripts from season 3 and probably one of the poorest scripts from the entire um, run that's like a proper episode not one of the short just jokey filler bits and that's Hatred Until Death which we'll get on to in a few weeks time No, I lied. I lied. I know everything about you, but I love you. I love you. Please, please try to understand. I can't go through with it. Not tonight, anyway. So maybe a, a little bit of a lucky escape, therefore, maybe just a touch of that 
that kind of tone to it. Um, just a, a quick bit of housekeeping as normal. If you want to get hold of me, you can do at chris at thetwilightzonenetwork.com. That's my email address. Or go to our website, www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com, and there's all our podcasts, articles, and, and all those kind of stuff uh, up online so you can take a look at. Um, also, uh, if you want to go to my private personal Twitter, you can do at orange underscore monkey. Um, just a couple of quick thanks to. Amy Sloan, who gave me a five-star review on iTunes, and also to Stephen V, who also gave a very, very positive and a very kind review on the both on the US version of iTunes. Uh, thanks a lot for that. Obviously, it all helps and it gives you know draws attention to what to the podcast and what we're trying to do. And um, you know, obviously, kind words are very kind for people you know who who are out there. So next week we're discussing Whisper which is an unusual story, unusual in the sense that it's a bit up and down, but it has some quality to it. So until then, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.